Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning, church family. How are you all doing this morning? Good. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Caleb Meeks. I'm the online and groups pastor here at Journey, and it's my privilege to be with you today. And before we get into today's message, just what an incredible time of worship we just had. That we can declare the truth that he has no rival, there is no equal, that he is a name above all other names. We want to thank you for worshiping us this morning, whether you're here on campus or watching us online and declaring that truth together today. Well, as Alan Runner, our executive pastor, just mentioned, this is a very special month here at our church. The month of September is a month that we look forward to each and every year. And let me give you a little bit of background to what the 930 and how it really started. Our church launched in a month of October. So before our church launched, Pastor Bobby and his launch team spent an entire month, the month of September, praying and fasting for this church. And that's something that has stuck with him and with our church for the past almost 17 years now. But over this month, what we do is we take time to pray and seek God together as a church family. Sometimes we fast once a week. Some people fast from something all month long. Maybe you'll fast one thing just for one day. Maybe you pray every day something specific, or maybe you just pray throughout the week, or maybe it's something we are praying for together as a church. But we would encourage you to join with us during the month of September as we go through the 930 together. And obviously, it's the first Sunday, so it's an exciting Sunday here at Journey. But truth be told, we're actually talking about that exact same subject today. We're in the middle of our series on the mount. So Jesus is on the mountain teaching people. And what we've done is we've taken all of his little messages and we've broken them into sermons. And what we did is we started this message series early in the year, kind of when COVID and coronavirus really hit. So earlier in the year, we started the series. We took the summer off and now we are in part two of From the Mount. So I'd encourage you, if you've missed a few weeks, to go back on our website and watch some of the messages. Last week, we talked about judging others. And to be honest with you, it, it was a message that Really, God was stepping on a lot of our toes, like, hey, you need to watch this. Make sure you do this the right way. And today's message really follows up with judging others. But today we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about what it means to really ask, seek, and knock. But I'll tell you two stories about prayer really quick. The first one was a pastor. He was talking to a young, a young boy, and he said, hey, you know, how's life going? How's school going? How are you doing? He said, it's going good. And he says, they, they were talking about prayer all of a sudden. He said, hey, like, do you, do you pray at bedtime? How does that, how, what does prayer look like in your life? He says, well, my mom always prays for me. He's like, oh, okay. He says, well, what does your mama say? He says, well, every night before I go to bed, she says the same thing. He says, okay, what is that? He says, Jesus, thank you for allowing it to be bedtime. <laughs> and if you've ever had a young kid, you know that prayer is something that you say often. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, almost three-year-old, and I, at 7.30 at night is one of my favorite times in the evening. Amen. Another one, a story of a man, he was in Africa, he was walking home one night, he'd been out all day long harvesting, and he's walking home, and he, he hears something in the bushes behind him, and all of a sudden, he, he feels these footsteps getting closer and closer, and he hears something, and he realizes a lion is behind him, and all of a sudden, he cries out to God, God, can you please make this lion a Christian, and he's like... Okay, so he turns around, and all of a sudden, the lion is sitting down, and he sees his mouth moving just a little bit. So he goes over to the lion, and hears what he hears. Lord, thank you for this meal that I'm about to eat. <laughs> now, yes, two funny, crazy stories, but there's a little bit of a sad truth in those stories as well. 
that sometimes prayer in our lives is something that we can flippantly do. Hey, God, thanks for this food, which is not a bad thing to thank him for, but sometimes that's the only time we pray throughout the day. Or, God, thank you so much. It's bedtime. I can have a little bit of sanity for the rest of the night. But God wants so much more out of our prayer life. Prayer is such a tool that God wants us to use to be in a closer relationship with him that it's a lot more than those two things. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. So how do we have a persistent prayer life? So let's look at our story. We're in Matthew chapter 7. We're just walking through this passage of scripture together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. They say this. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, this is a, it's kind of a weird thing because Jesus is he's on this mountain. He's telling people, hey, here's how you need to live your life. We've talked about divorce. We've talked about oaths. We've talked about judging people. We've talked about even a, an outline for a prayer. But all of a sudden, he says, hey, 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 hey. Just a reminder, when you're doing all these things, I need to make sure that you focus on me. So all of a sudden he says, hey, time out. I know we've been talking about how to live your life, but what I want you to realize is that asking, seeking, and knocking is very important. When you're going to judge someone, like we talked about last week, I want you to make sure that you are doing what I want you to do. You're under my will and not your own. You're not just acting out of anger, but you're going to judge someone the way that I want you to do it. So he's saying, hey, time out. Just make sure all these things I've been telling you I want you to make sure that prayer is a part of your life. There's a man by the name of Warren Wiersbe. He's a theologian. He writes some commentaries and things like that. Here's what he has to say about this passage that we just read. He says, you and I, we're human, we're fallible, which means we just make mistakes. He says, only God can judge perfectly, talking about last week. He says, therefore, when you're going to start making these decisions, a big decision in your life, therefore, we must pray and seek his wisdom and direction. James 1.5 reminds us that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We know in the Old Testament, young King Solomon, he knew that he lacked the needed wisdom to judge Israel. So he prayed to God and the Lord graciously answered. We find that story in 1 Kings 3.3. 3. Warren goes on to say, if we're to have spiritual discernment, if we're to have a path that God wants us to be on, we must keep on asking God, keep on seeking his will, and keep on knocking at the door that leads to greater ministry, because God meets the needs of his children through prayer. So today we're going to talk about being persistent in prayer. And if I had to summarize everything in just one line, here's what it is. It's that persistent people produce persistent prayers. Persistent people produce persistent prayers. People in their life who are persistent, they never give up. They know that God has called them to something. They continuously pray. They are persistent one day after the next. Persistent people produce persistent prayers. So today we're going to talk about a prescription for persistence. A prescription for persistence. What makes up persistence? And how can we have a persistent prayer life? It's actually pretty simple. We've already given you the prescription. Three words. The first word is ask. Ask and it will be given to you. The second word is seek. Seek and you will find. And the third word is knock. Knock and it will be opened 
to you. So let's dig into these three words just a little bit. The first word, ask, it says this in Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Now that sounds really good, right? Like, oh, I can ask and whatever I ask for is going to be given to me. Not so fast. The way we ask is very, very important. The way that we ask God is very, very important. You see, when we ask God, what we're saying is, hey, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. Because what Jesus is not saying is that we always get what we ask for. Because there's sometimes in our lives where our wrong motives, for example, cause us to have prayers that are hindered. Because we're asking for something that is not God's will. So the most important part of asking is when we ask, we must ask according to God's will and not our own. If we're going to ask God for something, we need to make sure, God, I'm asking what your will is and not my own. So in your life, when you ask God something, we must ask according to his will and not our own. James 4, 2-3, say this. You desire and do not have, so you murder You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Sometimes we wonder, God, why am I not getting an answer? Maybe it's because the questions we are asking are for our own passions and our own motives, and it's not what God wants us to be asking. When we ask and don't receive, maybe it's because our motives are wrong. It says this in 1 John five fourteen. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything, the most important part, according to his will, he hears us. It doesn't say if we ask anything, he hears us, according to his will. If we ask anything at all, anything at all, any time of day, anything at all, according to God's will, he hears us. So the common denominator we're picking up on is the fact that when we ask, it has to be in God's will. 1 John 3.22 says this, And whatever we ask, we receive from him. It sounds really good, right? But here's the kicker. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and we do what is pleasing him and not just ourselves. So when we ask, we have to make sure that we do what pleases him and not ourselves. Psalms 37.4, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So many times we focus on the second half of this verse that he's going to give me the desires of my heart. But that part doesn't kick in until we do the first part. It says delight yourself in the Lord. Now what does it mean to delight ourselves in the Lord? If we delight ourselves in the Lord, what that means is we find our satisfaction in him. We find our approval in him. We put our trust in him. And what happens when we do those things, when we put our delight in him, is that the desires in our heart change to what God's desires are for our life. The desires that we have, all of a sudden, when we put our delight in him, the desires we have change to God's desires. And when we do that, we're going to get what we ask for, because now we are asking what God desires. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. We've actually covered this in this series. Lindsay talked about this before summer. We talked about an outline for prayer. Jesus is very clear. He says, pray then like this in Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, not my kingdom, not what I want. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, if we could just pray that every day. God, I want what you want to earth to look like just like heaven. Whatever your will is, whatever your kingdom looks like, I want that to be here on earth. So the common denominator in asking is that we have to ask according to God's will and not our own. So the first step in the prescription for persistence is to ask. The next step is to seek. The next step is to seek. Now, what or who should we seek? God's faith. God himself. We need to seek him and him alone. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Matthew 6, says this. It says, but seek first. It doesn't say, but seek second, but seek sometimes, but seek only when you want something. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, seeking God's kingdom means putting our desires and wants and needs behind his desires and wants and needs. It's putting his plan before our own. Psalms 105.4 says this, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Not just sometimes, but seek his presence continuously. Psalm 27.8, You have said, seek my face. My heart says, your face, Lord, do I seek. He has said, hey, seek my face. And my heart says, your face, Lord, that is exactly what I want to seek in my life. Second Chronicles 7.14, I'm going to be honest with you, this one verse would completely change our country and our world if we were able to do this. A lot of things would be different if we were able to do this thing right here. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Oh, if we could just do that every day. If we as a people, as a body of Christ, could just pray and seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, he has said, hey, I will heal your land. The common denominator in seeking is in all of who you seek and is seeking his face. Let me tell you a story of how this looks in my mind and in my life. I have a soon-to-be three-year-old. He'll turn three in November. And when he was a little bit younger and he started kind of, you know, making mistakes and just being a toddler, a young kid, and we were able to start correcting him and disciplining him some. My wife did this one time. It's something we've both started doing and we've learned a lot from it. But there was a moment where my son Jax, if he was crying or I, I needed him to do something differently, here's what we would do. And this is what seeking God looks like in my life. We would get down on his level. I would get down on my son's level and I would say, Jax, hold my face. I'd say, son, just hold my face. And in this moment, it's a moment of just innocence that my son, he puts his hands on my face and I put my hands on his face and there's usually tears rolling down his eyes because he knows he made a mistake and he looks at me with the most innocent face and he just wonders, okay, what are you about to say? But in this moment, I can give him correction. I can give him instruction because he is paying attention only to my face. I think there's times in our life where God says, hey, I just want you to hold my face. 
Just get down on the right posture and just hold my face because I have something to tell you because I love you. I have something to tell you that you're going to need to hear. It's going to change your life. I just need you to hold my face. Maybe today you've never held his face before. You've never seeked God in a way of just, hey, God, I'm here. I'm paying attention. What do you have for me? In my life, this is what it looks like. Through the, through the eyes of a two-and-a-half-year-old boy, I've learned the lesson of what it looks like to seek a father's face. Because in that moment, a son and a father connect. We look eye-to-eye, eye and he knows that I'm about to tell him something that he needs to hear. So seeking God is a, is a way that we do this with an aware mind. We are aware of who we are looking at, and we are in the right posture. In your life, there's times where you have to seek his face. So after we ask, we begin to seek. And after we seek, we begin to knock. And to be honest with you, this is the hardest of the three. Because this is the one that takes a lot of persistence. In Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Jesus is using, he's using a metaphor here, an example of, a literal example of what it looks like to knock. He's saying, if you need someone behind a door, you're just going to go start knocking. And you're going to keep knocking until they answer. Because you know they're behind the door, but you're just going to keep knocking until they answer. He's saying, knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus shares a parable, a story about this very subject. And honestly, it's about a story of a woman who was so annoying, she finally got what she wanted. Anybody have a kid or sometimes our spouse can just keep asking us questions. We're like, fine, I'll just give it to you. Just leave me alone, right? You know, we've been there. This woman is annoying this man so much because she keeps asking and asking and asking and asking. He finally says, fine, here, you can have it. When it comes to knocking, this is exactly what God wants us to do, is to not stop. He wants to keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Persistence in our prayer life. Here's that story, Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. It says, And he told them a parable in the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is knocking in a line right there. Always pray and not lose heart. It says this in verse 2. It says, He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him over and over and over again. She kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, because this widow is annoying the heck out of me, because this widow is so persistent on getting this, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That's knocking. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? They're continuously knocking all day long. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give you justice, or give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. There's a passage of scripture in the Bible. It's a very short verse but it's one of the most impactful verses I've ever come across. When I was a senior in high school, I've known this verse for almost my entire life, but it really came to life when I was a senior in high school. I applied to be a part of something called SWAT, and no, it's not the big bad dudes who do really cool things. This was a Christian organization at the University of Georgia, 
It stands for students with a testimony. And what happens is these college students would go into homes all throughout the Southeast and they would help lead D-Now weekends, which is a weekend where youth ministries would have their small groups basically meet in homes and they would do life together for a week. And we were trained to lead people through these Disciple Now weekends. But in our training, we would do this event where you had a leader who was teaching everyone a lesson and he represented the Holy Spirit. And the rest of us would have to follow his lead. And there was one person who was, was chosen to be the interpreter. Basically, the Holy Spirit would tell this person something, and he had to relate to the rest of the group. So for about a two-hour period, we would be doing lots of things. We would have trials and tribulations. He'd make us run for a while. We'd have to stop and do sit-ups and push-ups. He'd run to a door, slam the door in front of our face. And we have to, what we learned in this moment is that we have to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us. And whenever we don't know what to do in life, we have to pray to the Holy Spirit. So throughout this two-hour exercise, about 30 to 40 times, this one verse came up. He would tell the person who was speaking to the group, he said, hey, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So the person would hear that from the Holy Spirit. He would tell the group, hey, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And until we started praying as a group, the Holy Spirit would not continue to lead. Until we started praying as a group, he wouldn't open the door in front of us for us to continue down the road. And what I learned in that moment is that if I want the Holy Spirit to lead me in my life, I need to pray without ceasing. Other versions say pray continuously. Pray without stopping. Never stop praying. That's what knocking is. Knocking is incessant and persistent. We are going to get an answer. Knocking is 1 Thessalonians 5.17 all day long. We must pray without ceasing. We can't stop. We can never stop knocking. Because if we stop asking, we stop seeking, then we stop seeking, we stop knocking, and we're never going to get where God wants us to get in life. Because persistent people produce persistent prayers. Persistent people are going to produce the persistent prayers. And that prescription for persistence is to ask, seek, and knock. That's your prescription. That is what God wants you to make, take as a daily dose, a daily dose to ask him, what is your will? To seek his face and to continuously knock until he gives you the answer. So what happens when we do these things? Well, a couple of things we're going to realize. One, asking is verbal. There's three different senses here. Asking is a verbal thing. It's when God wants us to use our mouths, open our mouths, and pray to him our needs and desires. So asking is verbal. Seeking is mental. Seeking is a mental focus, a mental awareness, and a posture that we have in our minds. It's a setting of priorities and a focusing of our hearts on him and him alone. And then knocking is physical. Knocking is a physical act, one in which we take action to never give up. If we're going to keep knocking, we must never give up. So if we do this, we'd, when we make verbal action, we take mental action and physical action, what happens? The next verse, Matthew 7, 8, gives us the answer. It says, for everyone who asks, they receive. To the one who seeks, they will find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So today what I want us to do is I want us to put this into practice. I want us to ask, I want us to seek, and I want us to knock. There's a book on prayer, probably the most impactful book I've ever read on prayer, obviously outside of the Bible. It's called Circle Maker. It's by a man named Mark Batterson. He's a, a pastor and an author. But in the book Circle Maker, 
he literally talks about circles being part of your prayer life. And he says, hey, if you want to pray for your family, walk circles around your house. It may look funny. Your neighbors may wonder, what in the world are you doing? But he says, hey, walk circles around your house. Hey, if you're wondering about a job when you're in your office, walk circles around your office and pray for your job. He was looking at starting a church plant in downtown Washington, D.C., and there was a building that came up for availability. It was up for sale. And he went to that building, and he just walked circles around it day after day after day. And his prayer was asking, seeking, and knocking, saying, hey, God, if this is your will, allow this to come to fruition. But in this book, he shares a story. He shares a story that... I've heard a lot in my life, but until I read it through his eyes and through this context, I didn't see it this way. It's an Old Testament story about being persistent in your life. It's the story of Jericho. Let me tell you the story of Jericho really quick. So the people, they've been freed from slavery in Egypt. The Israelites are free. And they know that they are going to the promised land. They know that God has called them out of slavery. They are free and they are going to make their way to the promised land. But all of a sudden, they come across an obstacle. This obstacle is the city of Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city with walls all the way around it. But they knew in order to get to the promised land, they have to get inside of Jericho. They have to get and conquer this city. Here's what God tells them to do. God says, hey, I want you to walk around the walls for seven days. I want you to walk around the wall for seven days. For the first six days, I want you to walk completely silent one lap. Take one lap around the wall for the first six days. But then on the seventh day, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take seven laps completely silent all the way around Jericho. And when you finish your seventh lap, I want you to shout as loud as you can and the walls of Jericho will come down and I will give you the city. So that's exactly what the people did. The first day, they took a lap, a silent lap. They're probably wondering, okay, I can do this. This isn't too hard. The second day, they did the same thing. The third day, the fourth day. Now, probably by the fifth day, they're probably starting to wonder, what in the world are we doing? We're just walking around this city completely quiet. They're probably laughing at us inside. But they keep doing, they keep being persistent. The sixth day, they walk around. And then on the seventh day, they take seven laps. At the end of the seventh lap, I imagine they probably look at each other like, all right, we'll give it a shot. And they shout as loud as they can. And all of a sudden, the walls of Jericho fell down and they're given the city. Two questions for you. One, what is your Jericho? What's the wall in your life that you say, hey, this is something in my life that I need to get past, that God has called me past, but for some reason it's an obstacle? The second question is this, how many times have we given up on the sixth lap of the final day? We're so close to a breakthrough. God says, hey, I just need you to take one more lap, but we often give up on the sixth lap on the seventh day. Let me tell you a story of how this happened here in our church. You've heard this story before from Pastor Bobby's perspective, but I want to share it from my perspective. Our Sherwood campus down in South Augusta, about a year ago, we had a Jericho moment where there was a wall that was put up. We had asked God for months, probably years leading up to this moment of, hey God, where do you want our second campus to be? And to be honest with you, our choice was not where it is right now. Our choice was in a completely different city. 
But all of a sudden, things started lining up, and we were going to be able to merge with this church and take them over and lead them into having life again. So we have all these plans, and everything's ready to go. We've asked God. We've continued to seek God, and we've started knocking on that door. And the church goes to a vote. The church votes. And after the vote, we're told, hey, you don't have enough yeses, so it's a no. It's not going to work. And I remember as clear as day, we, all the staff were gathered in this room in the next building where our offices are. I'm sitting in a chair. Pastor Bobby's to my left. He's sitting on a couch. And he says, hey, y'all, the church voted no. It's not going to work. And in that moment, I could just sense people looking around like, what do you mean? Like, we've asked God. We've continued to seek him. We started knocking. Like, this is his will for our life. And in that moment, Pastor Bobby said this. But I know that God has told me yes, so we're not going to stop. Here's what I want you to realize from the story. Is that you can't let an earthly no supersede a heavenly yes. So what we did in that moment is we continued to pray. We continued to ask. We continued to seek. And we continued to knock until that wall came down. But you know what, there's sometimes I ask myself, what would have happened if we stopped on the sixth lap of the seventh day when the world told us no? Well, here's what would have happened. Four weeks ago, a young man who hasn't been in church in over 20 years comes to our Sherwood campus, hears the gospel, hears the dangerous message of Jesus, and he gives his life over to Jesus. Two weeks ago, that same man took a step of faith to get baptized in front of the entire church. Two weeks ago, a homeless man walking in front of our Sherwood campus, he is flagged down. We said, hey, please come here. We take him into our care center and we allow him to shop for clothes, shoes, food, toothpaste, anything he needs with dignity. Say, hey, whatever you need, it's yours. But if we had stopped on the sixth lap of the seventh day and said, you know what? They told us no. The world says no. Those stories would not have happened. God would not have been able to use us in that moment for that man's life to be changed, for that man to take a step in baptism, for that homeless man to be clothed and fed. So my question for us is, what is your Jericho? What is the thing in your life that you've walked around so many times, you've just given up on it, but you know what? God may be saying, hey, just take one more lap, you're almost there. Here's what Mark Batterson says in his book, Circle Maker. He says, Jericho is spelled many different ways. If you have cancer, it's spelled healing, either on this side or another side of eternity. If your child is far from God, it's spelled salvation. If your marriage is falling apart, it's spelled reconciliation. If you have a vision beyond your resources, it's spelled provision. But whatever it is, you have to spell it out. Sometimes your Jericho is a zip code that you know God is calling you to. Sometimes it's a dollar figure to get you out of debt. And you know what? Sometimes your Jericho is just a person's name. What is your Jericho? What is the thing in your life that God has called you to that you've maybe given up on? The thing in your life that he's asking, hey, will you please keep asking? Please keep seeking and please keep knocking until that wall comes down. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize, you know what? I stopped on the sixth lap on the seventh day. And if I had just taken one more lap, things would have been different. What is your Jericho? I think today there's some walls that need to fall down. I think there's some laps that need to be taken in this place. I think there's some prayers that need to be said. I think there's some promises that need to be fulfilled. So right now, here's what we're going to do.
We're going to put this into practice. We're going to ask, we're going to seek, and we're going to knock as a church family. So what I'm going to ask you is I'm going to ask you to stand with me. In this moment, what we're going to do is we're going to worship God. Because I think there's a question that he's willing to ask all of us right now. I think he's asking us, are you willing to put your faith and trust in me? Are you willing to take one more lap around that wall? And today, for those who are willing to say, yes, I will. Yes, I will take that other lap. Yes, I will not give up. Yes, I will keep asking. Yes, I will keep seeking. Yes, I will keep knocking. That's the question that God wants to ask us. Will you do that? And his answer that he wants us to say is, yes, I will. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.